This is a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Bex and this is the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. On today's episode, you can hear what happens when I chatted to Robin Stevens. Now, Robin is an amazing writer. She's also a friend of Fun Kids and she has been pretty busy making the Murder Most Unladylike series. The last book in the series recently came out and we got to chat all about it. I am joined today by the author Robin Stevens. Hey, Robin. Hey, Bex. I'm so glad to be with you. To be honest, it feels it feels right that we're speaking like this because you've been in the Fun Kids studio so many times. To have not spoken to you for such a long time, I'm glad that we're finally doing this. I know. I know. I wish I could be with there in person, but this is a nice substitute, I think. And I get to see uh, your study. Well, yeah, yeah. My my dad's many filing <laughs> system in the background. It's it's, a, it's an interesting combination of that. And then there's a lot of mess down here and some toys and puppets and it's a whole thing. Um, so tell me about your, your newest book. It's your last one in the Murder Most Unladylike series, uh, Death Set Sail. What is happening in the book? So yeah, Death Set Sail is the final Murder Most Unladylike Mysteries novel uh, and is a big send-off for the series. Daisy and Hazel have gone to Egypt to see their friend Amina to have Christmas in Egypt and they go on the Nile on a cruise ship uh, with their friends Alexander and George and Hazel's family. So a lot of familiar and uh, friendly characters hopefully. And uh, they're also there with a mysterious cult, uh, a mysterious and slightly dangerous seeming cult. And the cult leader is a woman who everybody seems to have reasons to hate. And then one morning she is discovered dead in her cabin and Daisy and Hazel are pitched into uh, the, another very exciting murder mystery to solve. Now they think that it's just going to be another one of their many murder mysteries, but this crime uh, becomes more personal than almost any other crime they've solved and much more dangerous because this is a mystery that one of the detective society will not come home from. So tensions are very high uh, and it's a book I'm really proud of writing and very excited for everyone to read. How can you just drop that bit in there and, and then expect people to not lose their mind? <laughs> everyone, all my fans are so excited and so anxious and they're sending me emails um, but I have sworn to not say anything about what happens at the end of it, apart from that, until after the sixth, because I really want people to be able to pick up this book and read it and just not know what's going to happen next. I think that's such an exciting feeling, and I don't want to take that away from anyone by telling you what happens at the end. So it's a, it's a proper secret. In the book, you, you say uh, the character goes to Egypt. Am I right in thinking, did you go to Egypt as well to do some research? I did. Uh, so I went as a teenager. I went when I was a couple of years older than Daisy and Hazel are in this book, but I needed a bit of a refresher. And so in January this year, uh, I went on the Nile. I went on a cruise ship, fairly similar to what Daisy and Hazel would have um, been on. And I basically went to all the places they go in the book. And it was the most amazing experience. And I'd written the first draft before I went. And I thought I remember Egypt. And I thought I remembered um, how it felt to be there and, and what it looked like. Uh, then I got there and I realized I just completely forgotten everything. I had written the Nile the wrong way up. Uh, because of course when you go up the Nile you're going down it uh, geographically and so I had the moon and the sun on the wrong side uh, which was really important in the book 
Um, so I'm really glad I went. And I think it made the book just so much better, so much more vivid and much more exciting. Also a topic that I guess uh, a lot of your readers, a lot of our listeners will know pretty well, because I think a lot of people study ancient Egypt in school as well. So there's a kind of basic knowledge, I guess, that everybody kind of has. Exactly. And I think that's so interesting and so fun. I think, uh, I'm hoping that almost everyone who reads this book will have a basic understanding of, you know, the Egyptian pharaohs and of ancient Egypt. Um, but what I've done is that the cult is a group of people who think they know a lot about ancient Egypt, but don't really get things wrong and get things a bit confused and sort of have made up their own mythology. And I thought that was kind of fun. Um, and then, of course, I have somebody um, who is from Egypt, Amina, who gets really cross with them when they get things wrong. I thought that was a really interesting thing to write about. So Amina, uh, a lot of your readers will already know, is from the previous books and yeah. uh, now the gang are kind of like, you know, they're pals of it and that's uh, it's quite interesting. You, you're, you're a good person at bringing in new characters through the series. It's been quite nice to see. Exactly. Uh, this is one of the only books where there isn't a new detective character in it because I'm bringing back a lot of detective characters we've met before. Um, Amina turned up in Top Marks for Murder, the eighth book, and we have George and Alexander who were in um, the third book and the fifth book and the seventh book. And we also have Hazel's little sisters, May and Rose, who were in the sixth book, A Spoonful of Murder, and it's all of them together. Uh, so I had a lot of detectives in this story, a lot of people to wrangle. It's a big old swan song. It was, was this where you always planned it would end? Did you know in your head it was going to be Egypt or did you know it was going to be this type of case? Or were you just writing and seeing what happened? Um, I, I knew I wanted to end it. I, I've sort of noticed for a while that my characters are growing up. Uh, they aren't as young as they were in the first book. Um, and they're sort of, people are starting to look at them in a different way. Um, people don't ignore them anymore. They, they notice them. And that's a bit of a problem um, when I'm writing about detectives who hide under tables and sneak around. Uh, so I knew I wanted to end the series. Um, and I think for a long time, I've, I've known that, Egypt and the Nile is a place that I would love to go as for a big finish um, because one of my favorite murder mysteries is Death on the Nile, uh, which is an Agatha Christie murder mystery book and the, there's uh, lots of films of it that I love uh, and so it felt like just the perfect place to sort of end the series uh, and so yeah for quite a while I've known that I wanted to finish on an Egyptian adventure. And this is, I guess, your ninth book in the series. You've written four mini mysteries as well. Yeah. Um, surely, are you not quite emotional about saying goodbye to your characters? I'm, I'm so emotional. It's, <laughs> it's just been a hugely emotional roller coaster experience. Um, I normally draft really fast. I write the first draft very quickly in sort of two or three months, um, and then and that's not very good. My first drafts never are. And then I go back and make it better. Um, but I had a real difficulty actually finishing this draft. I sort of, it sat at about 40,000 words for, for quite a long time because I didn't want to say goodbye. Um, you know, Daisy and Hazel have been in my head for 10 years. I first made them up in 2010 and it's 2020. Um, and so, yeah, they feel like friends, they feel like family. And I knew I needed to say goodbye, but actually doing it was really heartbreaking. And writing the final chapter, I cried throughout the chapter. And every time I've come back to edit it, I've cried. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're in for uh, uh, a lot of emotions when you read this book. Bring tissues, I would say. I bet, I bet your readers as well will obviously be thrilled because I think one of the really great things that your books do is you don't kind of keep your characters in the same place and the same age. I think it's so nice that you have been brave enough to kind of age them because it gives variety and it's really exciting and that is true to life. That is what happens. Exactly. I guess a lot of your readers will have grown up with the characters as well. So it is a big emotional goodbye. 
It's, yeah, I know. It's, it's huge. I mean, I have so many readers who started reading when they were you know, 10, 11, and now they're 15, 16. Um, and so the books have grown up with them. And that's one of the things I really wanted to do. I wanted to write about my characters getting older and all the ways you change, you change your interests, you change the way you, you relate to your friends, you change the person you are when you're that age. Um, and I, I really want to write that. And I've been really pleased to hear from my fans that they've been able to kind of connect their own growing up to Daisy and Hazel's. And do you think, will we ever see Daisy and Hazel again in the future as proper grown-ups? I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that uh, you will see um, another one of the characters who appears in uh, Death Set Sail in the future. I am writing a new series. I'm writing a series set in World War II, and it's called The Ministry of Unladylike Activity. And it stars Mei Wong, Hazel's little sister, and two of her friends who are completely new characters and they are yet to be revealed. We want to uh, reveal them a little closer to publication, which is going to be in 2022, so two years to wait. Um, but I have started to plan it and you can see behind me on the floor um, something called the Wartime Scrapbook, which is part of my planning. I've been looking at uh, the kind of things that people would have bought, the kind of things they would have worn to really get myself into the 1940s mindset and work out what May and her friends um, would have been doing. And uh, they will be murder mysteries, um, this new series, but with uh, slightly, slightly new, slightly different characters, and possibly uh, some familiar faces from the Murder Most Unladylike series. So keep your fingers crossed. Oh, this is exciting. I mean, I know we're talking about the, the, the series that's happening right now, but that's really exciting. Was it an era in time you always wanted to write about? Um, I mean, it's, it's another one of those eras that we think we know a lot about, you know, I did a, a lot of World War II at school. I feel like I studied it about sort of six times. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, still the curriculum is very World War II heavy, but there are a lot of stories that we don't, or I didn't know about um, until I was much older, until I sort of started doing more research. Um, and I just think there's so much to write about, so much to uncover, uh, and so many interesting stories to tell. And also, of course, um, a world war is a great place uh, to sort of hide some murders in. I think it's just, it's just the perfect setting um, for my books, I think. And I'm, I'm really excited to dive in. It must slightly take away the edge of pain from, from losing one series. At least you've got another thing to concentrate on, a place to kind of go between the two. You can bring back some characters every now and again. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it is so nice to be able to go back to that world because it is a place, it's a world that, you know, I created as sort of a comfort for myself as somewhere to go sort of hide in. And uh, yeah, it's really nice to be able to go back there and, and see my characters and, and sort of create new stories about them. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm so happy for you. I'm, I'm genuinely chuffing. Um, now, because it's, it's the last book, I thought we'd do a little, uh, just a few questions, just, just to see, uh, looking back on the whole series, uh, just to get your thoughts on them. So uh, don't worry, no, no stress on this one, but I thought I'd ask you a few questions. So for example, who is your best favourite character who's not Hazel or Daisy? Um, I think that... Uh, I have, I mean, almost all of them are, are my favorite characters. Um, I love Beanie, I love Alexander, but I think the, the character who I really loved and sort of turned into a main character, wasn't really meant to be, is George. Because um, he was mentioned in First Class Murder, the third book, and then he turns up in um, Mistletoe and Murder, the fifth. And the minute he turned up, I knew that I had 
sometimes characters just leap off the page and you just know them and you just feel like this is a real person. And I really felt that with George. He's a very forceful character. Um, and he's, he's been in a lot more books than I thought he was going to because I just like him so much. I like Alexander. Uh, so yeah, George. George, okay. Uh, what was your, I've, I've put worst murder, but I mean kind of like the most brutal murder or the, the one that you were a bit scared of writing even? Um, I, I do get scared when I write all of my murders and I write all of the sort of frightening scenes. I feel like I'm there with Daisy and Hazel when it um, upsets me. I think the murder that I sort of come back to and, and fans come back to a lot as, as one that's both gruesome and quite like emotionally taxing is um, the one in Arsenic for Tea. Um, that's quite an upsetting one. Also, I think um, the one in um, A Spoonful of Murder, um, that's another one that, that I think is quite sad and I feel... I mean, I always feel sympathy for my victims, but that's one that I, I really do feel sympathy for the victims. So, uh, yeah, but I don't, my favorite bit isn't writing the murder. My favorite bit is writing the solution to the murder. Sure, sure. Uh, what was uh, your favorite location? Now you've been to lots of different places. You've been in a the theater, you've been on train. Where's your favorite place to write on about? Um, I think I love the uh, Orient Express, the train in First Class Murder. So that one, I also, I really liked the theater. I, I'm saying theater and train is what you said, but, but those I think are possibly my two favorites. But I loved being in Egypt. And I think that that setting was incredible. And I hope I've done it justice because it's the most wonderful place. It was the most wonderful experience. So possibly Egypt. Well, well, good answer for this. <laughs> uh, what was the most difficult book to write? Um, I mean, they were all difficult in different ways. I think A Spoonful of Murder was really hard because I, um, it's set in Hong Kong. So, you know, I had to, had to travel to go there and, and do all the research that I would do about, um, about a place when I write about it. Um, but I also had to write about it, not as visitor, but as somebody who grew, who grew up there because, um, of course, Hazel was born there. She lives there. It's her home. So I had to write about it as a place that I knew so well as her. Um, and of course, it's not a place I know so well. I've been twice, my friends, I have a lot of friends who are from there, but I didn't grow up there. So that was really hard. And I did a huge amount of research and a huge amount of interviews with people. And I got the book read by a lot of different people to make sure that I was getting that sense of home in there um, for Hong Kong and for Hazel. Yeah, I can imagine that was that was incredibly <laughs> difficult. Uh, what was the what was the quickest book to write? Which one were you just like bash 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 bash? Um, Death in the Spotlight. That one just poured out of me. I I had sometimes I have good ideas and it takes me a while to get them straight in my head, or I have something I think is a good idea and then I'm writing it. And I think, oh no, it's it's not as good as I thought it was. Um, but Death in the Spotlight was one where I had a good idea and I wrote it and it stayed being a good idea. And I just finished it. I sent it to my editor and she was like, this is just really good. Uh, most of the time we do have to do a lot of work, but, but that was one we didn't have to do a huge amount of work on. Um, so that was a very lucky book, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, Death Set Sail was a much harder book. It took a, took a long time to get that one right. Uh, chocolate eclairs or cream buns. I mean, I know you're into your cakes and your afternoon teas, so I thought I'd ask that one just in case. Oh, cream buns, I think. Not just because it's the title of one of my books, but um, <laughs> I like chocolate, but, but yeah, cream buns. Cream buns. Well, if we go to afternoon tea, I'll have the eclairs, you have the cream buns. We yeah. can share. I might have one eclair. I do like eclairs. <laughs> I mean, we can chop and change. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, finally, I mean, I don't think you'll be able to answer this, but I just thought I'd check. Hazel or Daisy? <sighs> um, 
I love them for different reasons. I Hazel is the person who she's kinder, she's nicer. I think she's the person I'd want to be friends with. She's a much more giving, thoughtful person. But Daisy is so fun to write. She is she's a joy as as an author. She always has the best comeback, and she's so witty, and she's, she's so sharp and brave and bold, and you know she's always rushing around and sort of making mistakes and sort of being hilarious. And I. I love her as a as a writer, and I love writing her voice. And um, my World Book Day short story, uh, The Case of the Drowned Pearl, I got to write from her perspective as well as Hazel's, and that was so fun to balance them off against each other. Well, I, I think this series has meant so much to so many people. I think everybody's going to be gutted for it to end, but also thrilled that you've got something new on the way. That's really exciting. Uh, also, very important to me is the colour of the, the book. Is this one kind of goldy, would we say? It's beautiful. It's gold. The cover is gold. And then it's got sort of blue um, foil on it. My name's in blue foil. And then the sides of the book, the pages are sprayed blue. And so it's going to look like a sort of burial object from an ancient Egyptian tomb. And it's beautiful. What a way to go. What a way to have a last book <laughs> in the series. That's amazing. I know. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. Well, Robin, thank you so much for talking to us. That's the sale of that right now. So uh, if you're a murder, most unknown like fan, or just a, a fan of good books, to be honest, everybody should go and check it out and buy it. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much, Robin. All right, you can hear more from Robin after this. I also got to ask Robin what her favourite childhood book was, and we spoke all about that. It was pretty interesting. Robin, can you tell me, uh, what was your favourite book as a child? Yes. So my favourite book, uh, Clue, is The Little Dog in My Lap. My favourite book was Diana Wynne Jones's Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, and this is a magical story set in the land of Ingery about a wizard who eats hearts and a girl who gets cursed uh, and goes to live with him and uh, thinks that only he can solve her curse. And I love Howl's Moving Castle so much uh, that we have just named our new uh, cockapoo puppy Howl after Wizard Howl, uh, the possibly wicked main character in Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, so that is my commitment to this book, which I love. I've loved since I was about eight or nine. I mean, you're the first author so far who's really committed to loving a book so much. You have <laughs> named your pet after it. That's amazing. A proper show and tell. Yeah, he's very oh my- Ten weeks today when we're recording this. <laughs> and, and has has Hal read any of the book? Have you read the book too, Hal? I have not. He's he's chewed it a little bit. He he likes eating books. He doesn't really like reading yet so much. Uh, but we will keep trying because obviously he's a very literary dog. Uh, we're a household with a lot of books, um, and uh, hopefully he won't actually eat them. <laughs> I was going to say, be careful because you've got so many books, even just in your background. When we I had know. a puppy, she spent her days just slowly biting and eating all of my books and I was mortified I was like no come back to my books now so yeah be careful there Hal's already got a taste you can see yeah no Hal yeah. Um, so with, with the book by the way I haven't read this book but I um I know of it as it is it's a film right it is it's a film it's a, a Miyazaki film a Japanese anime film um which is it's sort of similar in, in plot uh, to the book, but they're two very different, very wonderful things. I love the film. I love the book for two slightly different reasons. And is there like something in that book that you think when you read your books now, you're like, oh, that's really influenced the way I write or something about the plot, the, the, my structure? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, she obviously writes about magic and witches and wizards, uh, and my books are all set in the past, but in our own past. But um, I think that her characterization is something that I um, have sort of used. It's really influenced me. Um, I really feel like all of her books just feel completely real. The people feel like people you might meet. They feel like friends. Uh, they feel like family members. And I think that is her special genius. And that's something I really want to bring into my books. And I, I hope that my characters, Daisy and Hazel and their friends, feel real to my readers. And that was the feeling I got when I read Dynamite Jones books when I was younger. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for telling us about your favourite book and <laughs> showing us how. And here's how, yes. And he's getting a little bit cranky, but yes. Well, I will, uh, I'll let him run away. I'll let him go and uh, do his dog thing. Thank you so much for joining us, Hal. Thank Thanks so much. And if you want to hear a little bit from the book, well, you can right now. This is an account of the last murder mystery the Detective Society will ever solve together. My name is Hazel Wong, and I am heartbroken. I used to think that nothing could ever change. Not really. Not with my best friend Daisy and me. The rest of the world could spin out of true and smash like a Christmas bauble on the floor. But still nothing would be able to touch us. We were Wells and Wong after all. We were the Detective Society, and we always came out on top. But I see now that I got caught in the trick of thinking like Daisy. Her voice in my head and my own have become so mixed up by now that I hardly know which is which unless I pause to think about it. And I never wanted to pause. Not about this. And besides, Daisy promised me. She promised. I ought to be grown up enough now to know that promises can be broken, that no one is safe, and that the myth of Daisy Wells the girl who can walk through mortal danger without even a scratch on her cheek. There's only that. A myth. I am beginning this account on the day before Christmas Eve, at Daisy's home, Fallingford. The last time I was here for Christmas, there were enormous fires in every hearth, a gorgeously lit tree that stretched all the way up beside the great central staircase, and plates and plates of mince pies carried spiced and steaming from the kitchen by the Wells's maid, Hetty. But this Christmas is quite different. The house is cold, and somehow still dark, no matter how many lamps and candles Chapman and Hetty light. Mrs. Doherty, the cook, has burned the mince pies, and even the dogs look miserable. My little sister May tries to feed them biscuits, but they ignore her, so she shouts at them. I think I hate English Christmas says my other sister Rose, and I agree with her. But it isn't England I want to write about now. It's Egypt, the wide light of it, the sparks of sun off the Nile, the hum and churn of a cruise ship moving under my feet, and Daisy. From the moment we stepped into the cabin and saw the blood, I thought that this was just another exciting adventure, another puzzle to solve. But I see now how wrong I was, I have held off writing up this case, but now, finally, I want to go back over those last days, our last murder mystery, to be with her again. Perhaps that way, I can bring Daisy back to life. Thank you so much to Robin for chatting to us at Fun Kids. We love her so much and I can't wait to read the newest books in her next adventure series. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate, review and subscribe. 
also go read a book and we'll see you super soon bye so that was a podcast from the children's radio station fun kids listen on dab digital radio across the uk or online at funkidslive.com i'm james stewart and in saving planet earth i'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts.